Jim, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, you're in Tennessee. Are people still jumping off embankments and bridges and things? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, amazing. Uh, a far lack of uh, uh, flags flying off of cars today. Uh, not nearly as many as there were a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, this, uh, people wear their emotions on their sleeves around here just like they do anywhere. But uh, yeah. it's a, it was a very, very depressing uh, Sunday in, in the volunteer state after their uh, embarrassing performance in Columbia, South Carolina. Well, it's one thing when you lose a big game, and uh, you kind of see it coming. You can at least brace yourself for the opportunity. I don't know that many Vols fans who thought they were going to have it handed to them by a team that had scored a total of 16 points in its uh, last two wins. Can you talk about the enormity of this upset? Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. I mean, people just can't fathom how this happened. I mean, like you said, the uh, you know South Carolina offensively had been just so inept uh, leading up to this game in Tennessee, you know, and really been stopped by anybody and uh but defensively you know everyone knew that was tennessee's achilles heel was their lack of uh you know defense if you will especially on the back end uh but boy uh you know spencer rattler you remember last year he was a heisman candidate at oklahoma and and then a lot of people had high hopes for him when he went to columbia and he just hadn't performed worth a darn all season long and then all of a sudden he looked like a Heisman candidate again. He looked the part, and uh, he he just shredded this Tennessee defense, and it just looked like that they were just much more prepared. And uh, you got to hand it to you know Coach Beamer. He had the the Gamecocks ready, and uh, from the belt from the from the get go, and they dominated this game from start to finish. Tennessee was a twenty two and a half point favorite, lost by twenty five. So that is a swing of 47 and a half points between uh, the Vegas projection and the final score. And where does that rank all time? Yeah, it's the third when it comes to uh, what Las Vegas, uh, you know, what their projection was. Um, it's only the, it's the third largest uh, by teams that were favored by 21 or more points. Only two were larger than that. Arizona State lost by 28 as a 25-point favorite over New Mexico State in 2005. And then uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, Bowling Green lost by 31 as a 25-point favorite over Western Whoa. Michigan. So, yeah, just uh, listen, it's one thing to get beat as a huge favorite. It's another thing to get blown out as a huge favorite, and that's what happened. What is an often that you see an unranked team put 63 on the board against a top five team. Uh, how unusual is that? Well, it's the most ever <laughs> in the Associated Press era uh, since 1936. It's the most points ever put on by an unranked team over a team ranked in the top five. So, yeah, we witnessed history uh, on Tennessee's part in the negative way, and it's the most points scored by any opponent by the uh, against the Vols since 1893. So, you know, not only was it uh, an unusual situation uh, for any team against the top five, it's uh, in over 120 years the most points against uh, the Volunteers. And we saw Ole Miss get it handed to them uh, by Arkansas in Fayetteville. And Raheem Sanders 
uh, did some uh, unprecedented things. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's the second Arkansas player in the last 25 years to have 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns against a ranked opponent. Uh, and you know what's so funny is that, uh, and Darren McFadden did the same thing back in 2007, is that Ole Miss, if you look what they did offensively, they were moving the ball. They put up a ton of yards against Arkansas. They just couldn't put points on the board. It was really amazing when you look at the, the box score and you look at how many yards Ole Miss had. You would have thought this would have been a game that you know both teams would have been in the uh, 40s. But, man, Ole Miss, you know, they were going up and down the field, but they just weren't putting any points on the board. But, yeah, so it's a great uh, great day for Raheem uh, Sanders for sure. What was the total offense for Ole Miss in that game? It was 700, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, uh, uh, upwards of 700. I can't, I can't remember. I know it was in the upper 600s, maybe in the 700s. Now I have to look at the yeah. box score again. But, uh, yeah, it absolutely just, uh, like I said, they just uh, bogged down or, you know, turned the ball over. But, I mean, it's not like Arkansas was holding them back. They were just yeah. dominating that game uh, up and down the field, but they just couldn't put anything on the scoreboard. I thought one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen was from a Tennessee fan. And uh, he was ripping Michigan and really ripping TCU for the team's close games and walk-off field goal wins. And uh, that didn't age very well. Might have, might have wanted to hold on to that one a while. Uh, a lot of tweets were uh, uh, premature, if you will, uh, this past weekend. But th- that happens every week, Jack. I'll see yeah. these people dogging the other teams. Oh, you guys are bums. We'd kill you. And then they go out there and get slaughtered by their opponent. So, listen, it's best to just lay low and let things play out. And then yeah. if you want to brag about it, do it. At, at night after everyone's gone to sleep because chances are you're going to regret that tweet. I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds of times. TCU uh, now 11-0, and Jim, after that fast field goal by Griffin Kell, a 40-yarder as time expired. But uh, they were 13-0 and uh, 12 years ago, right? I remember they had a Rose Bowl appearance. Right, and uh, they finished 13-0, and, and they you know, upset, what, upset Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl and in a really, really exciting football game. I remember that game was just down to the, you know, at the end it was a very, very exciting football game. But, yeah, so, you know, TCU's done this, but it's the first time TCU's done it in as a member of a Power 5 conference in, in a long, long time because if you remember when the Southwest Conference broke up, TCU was – Basically, they were wandering around, and they were in seemed like a different conference every five years. And finally, they end up in the Big Twelve, and it's taken them a while. But uh, the Horn Frogs have uh, you know arrived. And uh, listen, I'm I'm not going to bet it against these guys. They 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 you know have proven me wrong week in that week in and week out. And so uh, you know kudos kudos to them as to finding a way to win each and every Saturday. Well, it was 2014, Jim. The first year of the college football playoff, and it was TCU and Baylor. And everyone's debating which one is going to get in, and here they are. They're both right on the cusp. And then suddenly Ohio State blows out Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, and neither one of those teams got in. Yeah, that 59 to nothing win that Ohio State had against Wisconsin, it literally you had to have a game like that. And, uh, you know, if it had been 40 to nothing, I don't think Ohio State gets in. But 59 to nothing, they dominated that game from start to finish. 
and the selection committee moved up the Buckeyes from what I think they were six, and they went up to number four, and then they beat Alabama. Uh, they beat Oregon to win a national championship. So, yeah, Ohio State took advantage of playing in that conference championship game. And uh, if you remember, the Big 12 did not have a conference champ- conference right. championship game. They were sitting at home, you know, out of sight, out of mind, if you will, and uh, really cost both of those programs. And, you know, you wonder would either one of those teams have had the success that Ohio State did, but we'll never know now. If the Big 12 had just said, okay, uh, we're going to let TCU and Baylor play and settle this, then the winner probably would have gotten in because they would have gotten that extra uh, data point. Right. Instead, Ohio State gets in, and uh, some people said that this was Wisconsin's revenge uh, to TCU after being beaten in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, well, we'll show you, and we're going to lie down. You know, that isn't what happened. But no, a lot of no, people no. just speculating, that, you know, hey, how does a team go undefeated like that and uh, and doesn't get in? But uh, what about Blake Corum here now? He is injured, but looks like he's going to be okay to play. And if I had the Michigan offensive line in front of me, I'd be okay to play too. Yeah, well, I saw him delivering turkeys today, so uh, that that's a good sign uh, for Michigan yeah. fans out there. Yeah, but uh, listen, this guy for the 18th time he uh, scored a touchdown, and he's the uh, first player in Michigan program history to score a touchdown in 11 different games in one season. Of course, now it's not like Michigan has played 11 or 12 games in a season forever. You know, the 11th game was added, what, 1973 or something like that, and then mm-hmm. uh, now they're playing 12 regular season games, so uh, it's not like the the, the you know, fielding Yost guys could have had that uh, opportunity, but no, it's a, a great, right. you would think that with all the running backs that Michigan's produced over the years, that one of them would have done this by now, but uh, no, he's the first one. Yeah. Be real interesting to see what happens Saturday in Columbus. Uh, Jim, do you know it's been 22 years and eight days since uh, Michigan won uh, in the horseshoe? And uh, I had a guy who was looking this up. I haven't done it yet, but I will if I don't hear from him. Uh, what percent of the Michigan roster was not born? Uh, maybe a few embryos. Uh, the last time that the Wolverines got a win in Columbus. That is a, that's an incredible. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Of course, we all know that the Michigan, uh, you know, beat Ohio State last year, and, uh, and that was for, you know that was the first one that uh, Jim Harbaugh got. He's now one and five. Uh, and but what's interesting, you know, is that uh, you know Ryan Day's been the head coach at Ohio State since 2019, and this is his first game against Michigan in the horseshoe as a head coach. Because you remember in 2020, uh, the game was canceled because uh, Michigan had a COVID outbreak. And uh, so, you know, Ryan Day has never coached against the Wolverines at Ohio Stadium. So a lot of firsts. But, you know, it's been a long time since Michigan has won in Columbus. Uh, so, it, uh, listen, 11-0 versus 11-0, I mean, you can't ask for anything better than this. Yeah, I think uh, the last two games that uh, Urban Meyer coached against Michigan, they put up 118 points. Uh, was 62 and then 56. So uh, Ryan Day's got some work to do if he wants to keep up with Urban on that. Uh, when you look at uh, some of the other numbers here from this weekend, what happened to the Miami 
offense. Oh, my gosh. You, you, you talk about inept. I mean, they had nine total yards of offense in the first half. Nine. I, I saw someone break it down. They averaged like 2.3 inches uh, in that first half per play. <laughs> I mean, that was – listen – I think you got to give uh, you know them time to rebuild that program there at, at the University of Miami, but it's a far cry from those hurricane teams from the uh, '80s and the, and the early 2000s. Um, they just don't have the players. They just don't. But you know, recruiting wise, they're they're trying to get some players there, and with the NIL money that's being thrown around, uh, you're seeing guys that are decommitting from certain programs and committing to Miami. So. Let's just see what they can do in the next couple of years there at the U. But, the boy, right now, uh, things look pretty inept on offense there at the uh, University of Miami. Terrible, terrible uh, um, offensive display this past weekend, though. It looks, Jim, uh, as if the uh, Oklahoma offense uh, just moved to USC and uh, the lack of defense, too, in some ways. Uh, Trojans really don't have a playoff caliber defense, but they can score points on almost anyone. One thing the Trojans have shown is an amazing ability to ball hawk and uh, come up with interceptions. 18 interceptions now. Who's coaching the USC secondary? <laughs> I don't know, but they're doing a great job. Uh, listen, e- either they're doing a great job or, or, um, or the quarterbacks are going up against or are not very good. But uh, listen, I, I think USC is a, they're a dangerous team because they can score. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. Now, I am going to be very, very interested in this USC Notre Dame game because, you know, yeah. as, as bad as Notre Dame has played at, point, at times this year, they looked great this past Saturday. They they waxed yeah. uh, Boston College forty four nothing. So, you know, here come the uh, um, you know the, the the Fighting Irish, and you know they beat uh, uh, Clemson pretty handily. They they beat North yeah. Carolina, so they beat the two teams in the ACC championship game. And you know maybe Notre Dame can be a, a thorn in the side of the Trojans once again. But uh, it's a uh, I'm telling you that that's a heck of a stat there with eighteen interceptions. Uh, thus far in twenty, you know, since uh, um, in, in this year, most since uh, twenty twelve. But uh, it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch this uh, USC Notre Dame game, though. I want to ask you the question, Jim, that I asked Joe Rexroad at the top of the show. Uh, who do you want to see in the college football playoff? Who do I want to see? Yeah. I want. I, I want to see. Make the best playoff. I think. Uh, I think Georgia, Ohio State, Southern California. After that, I think Michigan's the better team than TCU, but I think if TCU wins and they're sitting there undefeated, they deserve it. Uh, I do not think TCU's LSU with two losses. I don't think LSU, I don't think LSU deserves it with two losses. I just don't. No, no. I don't uh, and I think Clemson, Clemson could be a team that they really look good. Listen, yeah. if they beat South Carolina, who just beat Tennessee, and yeah. they win the ACC championship game, they're sitting there with 12-1. and one. You know they've got a they got a valid uh, you know voice to yell you know, to, at the selection committee. But you know t- the, the three undefeated teams, Georgia, uh, I'm assuming Ohio State beats Michigan and TCU. Those three would deserve to be in. Right, I, I'm not so sure that Michigan can't control the ball, especially especially if the weather is bad. Uh, you put them on a fast track. I like Ohio State with that passing game, but 
uh, you get some inclement weather, um, Michigan can be a very tough team to beat. Uh, I just don't want to see multiple teams from a conference when you have a USC that could get left out or uh, an undefeated TCU. Uh, You know, I look at the Michigan schedule, and I can't get past that. Now, if they win... Uh, the Big Ten, and they're 13 or no, God bless them, they're, they're definitely in and probably the number two seed. But when Absolutely, you play yeah. the teams they played and you look at the crossover games they had, they better win out. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. You know, I, I think uh, in the Big Ten, we know they play nine conference games. The SEC plays eight. The ACC yeah. plays eight. But you can at least schedule one decent non-conference opponent. You don't have to schedule right. uh, the, the Sisters of the Poor, all three. Right. Uh, but I think you should go out there and face at least one quality opponent. And listen, if that quality opponent happens to have a poor season, that's not your fault. It's kind of like Penn State. You know, they, they scheduled Auburn. Well, Auburn's having a, a bad year. That's not Penn State's fault. The, the intent was there. I think the intent needs to be there to schedule a team that historically has been pretty good. I think that's what you need because then if you beat them, now you can say, hey, listen, you know, we beat so-and-so. Uh, they had a down year, but that's not our fault. Uh, but, no, the intent needs to be there. All right. What are you most looking forward to other than the Michigan-Ohio State game this week? Or are you just as intrigued by USC-Notre Dame as you are uh, by the battle for the Big Ten? Well, I think Ohio State-Michigan clearly is the game of the year. Uh, I think it's the, the number one game in the college football season. Uh, two 11-0 teams going against each other. Um, I think this is, a, you know, the, the rivalry is so good. Listen, there's never been two teams play each other highly ranked in the history of college football than Ohio State-Michigan, and you got number two versus number three once again. So it's yeah. uh, it, these teams historically have uh, – uh, gone up against each other. They they battle for the Big Ten championship year in and year out. And you know, there's the rumor now that the Big Ten could eliminate divisions, and you could have years now where Ohio State, Michigan play each other last game of the year, and then turn around playing them once again a week later in the Big Ten championship game. So we'll just see how it all unfolds once USA, USC, and UCLA join. So uh, I yeah. can't wait for this Saturday. Now, that's the game of the year in my book. Yeah, and everyone says, well, you know, that might be the best way to help the Big Ten get two teams in. That might also be a way the Big Ten gets zero teams in. Because if they beat each other and they both have a loss, then uh, you're throwing them into a pile. And then, you, you know, when you have a loss late in the season, that means more than a loss early in the season. So I'm not sure that's the best approach, but... Uh, that's apparently what they want to do. We've seen the Pac-12 now is going to this, where just yeah. their two best teams are going to play, uh, doing away with the divisional concept. And who knows what divisions really represent? I mean, for the Big Ten, you've got uh, USC and UCLA coming in, so uh, you know, everything is a little convoluted. I guess when you got uh, uh, West Virginia in the Big 12, then I threw up my hands and I said, you know, I don't know what this geography means. It, it, it means nothing. Yeah, they've thrown it out the window. And here we all know that the, the playoffs are going to 12 teams. So even once they go to 12, uh, Ohio State and Michigan can, you know, beat each other back-to-back weekends and they'll both get in. 
Yeah. Uh, because, you know, with four, yeah, you're you're eliminating each other, you know, beating each other and eliminating each other. But with 12, once we go to 12 teams, I think you can afford to lose and lose again. And, uh, yeah. listen, the NFL has been doing it. The NFL is very, very popular. People are People aren't going nuts, though, because you got a team with uh, six losses making the playoffs in the NFL. So, hey, if a team makes the playoffs in college football with two or three losses, then so be it. Yeah, my thing, my thing, Jack. I'd I'd rather err on the side of too many teams getting in than err on the side of a deserving team being left out. Well, for a long time, uh, it was mythical, and there wasn't even a game. And then you had the BCS, and a lot of people didn't like that either in philosophy or execution. And then you went from the two teams uh, to a four. At least you had a one versus two with the BCS. Yeah. And then uh, you get this. Uh, so uh, the only thing I would say about the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is that it hasn't been uh, nearly as even as people would think. Uh, dating back to 1950, uh, Ohio State has a decided edge in this series. Now, that's we're not talking about what happened back in 1902. But, right. uh, you know, uh, since the second half of the 20th century, the Buckeyes have had a, a double-digit lead in the series, and in the 21st century, it's 17 to three. And if there hadn't been the COVID cancellation, trust me, it would have been 18 to three. So, right. uh, you know, but you know what, Jack? Though I still remember in the 80s and 90s, Michigan, of course, when John Cooper was the head coach at Ohio State. I mean, Michigan dominated that series, so it can swing back again. But Swings, you're right, since yeah. uh, over the last. Uh, 70 years or so, it's been decidedly one-sided for sure. Yeah, I think uh, when we talk about history, what what history is, and some people want to go back to when they first inflated the football, Uh, other people, you know, they they have very short attention spans, but uh, I like to think that during the uh, life of incoming freshmen, if something happened before that, then you know, it's nice for nostalgia. You can remember it, and you can tell stories at tailgates, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the with the rivalry and what happened. You know, uh, Michigan State plays against uh, Notre Dame. They always talk about what happened in the fifties and sixties and seventies, and uh, you know how many people are alive who played in those games. So right, exactly, you know, exactly. Very, very, very different place. Yeah. Jim, uh, very quickly, can you give our listeners? Uh, the information again on how to get the best newsletter on college football. Yeah, just uh, they can just email me jimgum.blitz at yahoo.com. That's J I M G U M M dot blitz at yahoo.com. And if they email me this, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll give, I'll send them this week's issue free. Sounds like a pretty good deal. That's uh, everyone's favorite four letter word, F R E E. Jim, thanks so much. Hey, enjoy. Uh, the weekend, and uh, m- maybe you can uh, teach the uh, Tennessee defense now how to tighten up a little bit. All right, Jack. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.